Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn. Dr. Cubitt, it's good to have you here today. I am glad to be back. Before we get started on today's topic, we just want to share with our listeners that any of the topics we cover on the Beyond the Barn podcast, they're more generalized and not specific to any individual horse or any specific situation. So be sure to always work with your veterinarian and nutritionist before making any drastic changes to your horse's feed program. Or you could reach out to us and talk directly with Dr. Cubitt or Dr. Duran on specifics that you'd like to know. And Dr. Cubitt, today we get to talk about horse health and how nutrition plays a role in that. In hoof health, yes, yes. And there is an old saying, no hoof, no horse. So I am excited to touch on this topic. Right. And what does that saying mean to you when you hear that? I've actually changed this saying. This was the old saying was no hoof, no horse, because if you look at the the anatomy of a horse, they have these four tiny little hooves that their 1,000, 1,100-pound frame sits on. And if those tiny little feet that contact the ground are not strong and healthy, then your horse is, is going to be lame and you really don't have a horse. But I have changed that to no gut, no horse. Right. Being that, you know, me and my gut health, that everything, including the hooves, can be affected both positively and negatively by the gut health of the horse. Yes, very, very true. So tell us a little bit more about how nutrition plays a role and how do hooves develop as a young horse grows? Well, that's interesting. Just like any other part of the body, you know, the foal in utero is absorbing nutrients directly from the dam and what she's eating, minerals that are going to be important for cartilage and bone development, for organ development, and structural development being the the outer skin layer, the hair coat. And that's also, remember that hoof is just hard hair. So anything that would improve hair quality will also improve hoof quality. So when that foal is born, they've kind of got these softer hooves that have these funny hair, long tentacle-like things on that, that wear off. But they're quite soft when the foal is born. And then as the foal develops, just like any other part of the body, they harden, they strengthen And that's through nutrition, exercise, the environment that they're in all can influence both positively or negatively that development. I find that pretty interesting, especially in some forums and groups that I'm in. For anybody who hasn't actually had a horse that's been bred and foaled and everything, they are kind of surprised when they see a picture of a newborn foal and how its hooves look, because it is not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't appear to be what they would think is normal. No, no, they have these kind of long, I don't even know how you describe it. If you haven't seen it, they almost look like fungi coming off the bottom of 
uh, the, like feathers. Yeah. And there, there is a correct name for it, and I'll probably get it wrong. Eponychium. And it's this kind of funny alien-like thing that comes off the finger-like projections that come off the bottom of the hoof, and they really wear away very quickly. Yeah. Do you know the time frame for that? Like from when it when they kind of, I guess, become more substantial hooves? Uh I mean they've got substantial hooves with these funny finger like things. Right. But on, to where on they the kind of solidify, How I guess, a little long bit better. It takes to go away. I, I'm I feel like they go away within the the first twenty four hours. They're kind of worn away by walking around and, and yeah. moving around. But Obviously, it would stay longer if your fall didn't get up and move quickly. Right. So, and this just kind of came to mind, and I'm thinking about this from a mom perspective and, you know, having kids and how they have you take prenatals and things like that for a number of different reasons for development in utero and everything. Is there something like that for mares that are bred? Not specific to hoof quality per se, but overall development of the foal. And that's why it's so absolutely critical. In utero is the most important time to feed any young, whether it's your, your own baby or, or a foal, because we're, we're building the foundation of that animal, which includes the organs, heart, lungs, the brain, the the skeletal system, which is very cartilaginous while it's in utero, but we're still building that framework. We're building the skin, the hoof. And so the, the nutrient requirements set for pregnant mares throughout their gestation, throughout the different parts of gestation, take that into account. Now, does it specifically address you should feed this because it's developing that embryos or, or that fetuses hooves. No, we just know that those nutrients impact the de- overall development of that foal. Right. Okay. And then as a horse ages and kind of moves through different life stages, does anything occur there where you would need to provide extra support? Like, and I'm thinking more once they reach senior status, do hooves tend to become more brittle or have a more difficult time with their footing? Or is it just a matter of that overall balancing of the nutrients in the diet consistently to just keep up that support? I think it's more balancing the nutrients in the diet, the management, external environment that the hooves. So, you know, if your horse stands in mud 24-7, and that's going to degrade the quality of the hoof from the outside in. And I would say, you know, just like any older animal or, or horse the, the older you are, the more experiences your body has gone through, both positive yeah. and negative. And so it's just time under tension. There's every time anyone who's had a horse knows that the hoof is where you can kind of look for these ridges in the hoof. And anytime your horse has had any kind of huge stress or physical demand or sickness, they'll get this little ring in their hoof. Now, some people talk about them as founder rings because horses, when they get a bout of laminitis, will get, will develop this ring that starts up in the coronet band and works its way all the way down. But it's not just from laminitis. It's from any any kind of stress. You know, we see horses that might have gone through a barn fire or a colic episode or even something minor like a, a 
get a virus in the wintertime that we don't even notice. But as the hoof grows out, you'll notice this tiny little ring. It's kind of like your fingernails. If you go through a real rough patch where you're really stressed out and your diet's not great, you will notice it in your fingernails. That Uh, is so fascinating, actually, that you say that. So would that be then because of the stress if they're not getting those nutrients that they normally would use to be able to, you know, kind of feed the entirety of the body? More of those nutrients are going to other aspects and it's like holding Potentially. back on. That's so I'm no, interesting. I, you know, I will say that I, I am not 100% positive on the actual biochemical pathway that takes, yeah. okay, horse has colic episode to that then shows as a ring in the hoof. But that certainly makes sense that when they're prioritizing oh. nutrients to other areas of the body that they take, it may take it away from hoof quality. But also there's just such a huge amount of blood flow that goes down into the hooves and um, anything that's in the blood hormones, toxins will end up in the hooves. And we know that the hoof is just so sensitive and it's so delicate in its makeup, which is crazy because it has to be so strong and take so much impact and weight. And yet it's such a delicate structure in in the horse. It really is. The hooves are amazing, really, if you think about it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting discussion nonetheless. So But since you kind of like mentioned kind of noticing those rings, so for someone who maybe doesn't work directly with an equine nutritionist at this point and they might see their vet once a year, hopefully they have a good farrier that they work with, but that could probably help them. But what signs could horse owners kind of keep an eye out for that maybe will help them identify if their horse might be developing some hoof issues That way they don't get to that point of too little, too late, and now you're really trying to fix something that is really hard to come back from. Absolutely. And I would say pretty much once you see the ring in the hoof, it's too late. Whatever has happened has happened months prior. Yeah. And it's probably come and gone, and and now we're just seeing that is the symptom. But as far as working directly with your farrier, they may notice issues in the white line, more abscesses than a normal for that particular horse. Now, some horses just have thin soles and are more susceptible to abscesses. But, you know, certainly any any structural change, softness areas that your vet notices uh, or your farrier notices are important to take into account. But really, once you're seeing it in the hoof, we're, we're still, so much has changed within in the body. So even if your farrier tells you, oh, yeah, you know, your horse has some white line issues or, or some bruising due to a, a thinning of the sole, well, the, the sole's already thinned. So whatever, whatever maybe poor lack of nutrition, if it was due to that, um, has happened and is gone. And, and now we've got the symptom. So instead of waiting to see outward signs and say, oh, I need to change something. It's, it's so very important to just go into it knowing I have to keep my horse's diet balanced. I don't want them too fat or too thin. Feed them plenty of hay, all those kinds of things in order to avoid any disorders in your horse. And, you know, sometimes things are just going to happen. So you mentioned abscesses. 
when a, a horse starts developing hoof problems, you know, because of poor nutrition, what other issues can they become more susceptible to aside from when what you m- mentioned abscesses? Well, poor qu- and an abscess doesn't necessarily have to be just due to poor quality and nutrition. It yeah. can be due to a whole slew of other issues. And so I don't want our listeners to think, oh, my God, my horse had, a, had an abscess. It means it's not getting something in its diet. Absolutely right. not. If your horse has tends to get abscesses more often and we know that he hasn't in the past and now all of a sudden he is, you know, talk to your farrier about do you think the hoof sole is thinning? Is there something that might be causing that? If we evaluate the diet, is there something that is missing? But as far as the rest of the, if your horse's coat starts to go off, I mean, there's so many other signs that we want to try and nip it in the bud then before you see, I mean, go back to the very first thing. It, it does hold true. No hoof, no horse. If it's gone on long enough that we've now got problems in the hoof quality, it takes so long to correct hoof issues. Right. You know, it takes a good six months to a year for whatever I feed today to fully impact the hoof for the old hoof to grow out and the new hoof to fully take its place. So we want to avoid kind of man-made hoof issues at all costs because it's a long time to get rid of them. Yeah, a long process. And then if you ride yeah. them, sometimes that yeah. can be very limiting in what you can do with that. So Absolutely. So, you know, waiting till you see something bad in the hoof that's too long. We we don't want to see anything bad in the hoof. We want to, oh, well, his hair coat's a bit rough. Let's evaluate the diet and see if yeah. there's something he's missing before we ever get to the point of the hoofs. Or is he not getting over, he's, you know, getting coughs and colds in the wintertime. Is his immune system down? You know, there's so many other things. Are we evaluating parasite load and we're making sure that they don't have parasites because and the parasites are going to harvest nutrients that the horse can't? Right. Are the gut bugs healthy? Because remember, the gut bugs are helping to break down all of the feed we're feeding them so that they can absorb that and use that and keep their overall body, hooves included, healthy. So there, I think that's why we haven't really talked about hoof nutrition in the podcast yet because there's so many things before that that we want our listeners to be aware of and taking care of before it ever gets to to hoof quality. Now, when I talk to my clients about hoof quality, it typically is because my horse just genetically doesn't have great feet, right? So what right. else can I do? I'm to doing – he's mm-hmm. living a perfect life. The, the footing is great. The diet is perfect, but genetically – you know, genetically, I don't have great fingernails. I can't grow long fingernails. So, you know, is there something extra I can add to my diet to help strengthen what genetically I know I have You're as lacking. poor quality? So, yeah. you know, the American thoroughbred, for example, just genetically has terrible feet. So if you have an American thoroughbred, then maybe you need to add something to improve hoof quality. Interesting. Okay. It honestly, I think... It's kind of like sounding that it's really just better to just play more proactively when it comes to feeding your horse versus reacting defensively to Absolutely. some of these things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you can react very easily to a poor hair coat and you could fix that pretty quickly because the hair doesn't hold the horse up. 
the those right. four tiny feet hold the horse up. Yeah. And if if they're damaged, then you got eleven hundred pounds pressing oh, down so much weight. on those. <laughs> and that's just tiny, if yeah. they're standing there, they're not not exactly. let alone moving, <laughs> jumping or, or you galloping, and and you yeah. on top of it. So. So what are the most important nutrients that do impact equine hoof health? Well, one could say, you know, water's not necessarily a nutrient, but without water, you're going to die. So I would say water. I mean, just something as simple as water. All cellular functions rely on adequate hydration. We know that we think of the hoof as really hard and not able to, not full of moisture, but it absolutely is. We know that blood flow and hoof moisture is responsible for strength, elasticity. If you've ever watched, like go on YouTube and Google equine hoof under kind of movement or words like that. And it's amazing when you look at the hoof, when it gets pressed down on the ground at the bottom of the gallop, how much it spreads. And it's amazing. And that elasticity, it's actually a very elastic structure. Yeah. We need to make sure that it's it's got water in it. When I grew up in Australia, before the farrier would come, we had sand in our stalls and we would soak the stall with water and they would stand in the wet sand until the farrier came for a couple of hours just to try and, you know, soften up the feet a little bit because we live in a very dry, drought-ridden area. The opposite can also occur here when horses are standing in mud is that there is too much moisture and that can also soften and decrease uh, the strength of the hooves. But let's say water, that's just something that is extremely important for overall health, but also think about it for hoof hoof function. Right. And then we've got other minerals like copper, manganese. Copper is important for all connective tissue, right? And there's connective tissue in the hoof, the structural integrity, the strength, the rigidity of the outer wall. We know that copper is really important for hair quality. Well, remember, hoof is just hard hair. Manganese. Manganese is important for the internal structure of the foot, also for cartilage maintenance and repair. Selenium. Selenium is important as an antioxidant. You know, when we're breaking down cells, then that's oxidative stress. And that happens in the hoof, just like any other function organ in the body. And so selenium is really important for hoof quality as well. Now, do we go out and buy a bucket of selenium and feed it? No, it just means that you need to make sure that the whole horse's diet is balanced and has the correct requirement for selenium. Uh, What else have we got? We've got biotin being a B vitamin. We've got iodine, methionine, methionine, zinc. These are all also very important in hoof quality. For okay. on and and you can hear me say, you know, copper for this and this and this and manganese for this and this. That's why we never want to select a supplement that just has one thing in it, because just like a joint supplement, these ingredients work on a whole slew of different kind of pathways or functions in in the hoof. So we want a combination of all of them. Right. And in a lot of ways, they benefit the hoof, but in other areas of the body show many benefits as well, especially when you said the hair, how you know yeah. closely related that is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then are there any types of 
feeds or hay to avoid if a horse does have hoof issues? Or does it depend? I wouldn't say necessarily hay. I, I mean, I, I think we could make a stretch and say, okay, if we know the horse has poor quality hooves, maybe that's also associated with insulin resistance or being overweight. Maybe it's not. But if it was, then of course we would be steering away from our high sugar starch type feeds because we know that that can negatively impact the hoof, laminitis, that kind of thing. But as far as, let's say, a thoroughbred racehorse that has terrible hooves genetically, there's not necessarily an ingredient that we should stay away from. Okay. And then are there any precautions that we need to take when it comes to grazing for these horses, probably just some particular horses? Uh, Again, if we go back to the horse that's also you know, got a metabolic issue that is affecting the hoof quality, like insulin resistance, Cushing, then yes, definitely. All of the the limiting grazing to limit sugars and starches would be important. I think that one area where it's not necessarily limiting grazing or precautions about grazing, the precaution is with grazing and relying on grazing to supply the horse with all of its vitamins and minerals. I mean, most of us don't have two, the general rule of thumb is two acres per horse uh, with 75% coverage of real plants that they're going to eat at about six inches high, not, you know, 75% coverage of weeds that they're not going to eat 24 hours a day. That, That quantity of forage, assuming there's no severe deficiency of any one mineral in the soil is going to give the horse the the just the maintenance nutrients that they require now that that doesn't account for genetically bad hoofs that just accounts for maintenance for genetically we're all fine okay we had someone ask about adding gelatin to a horse's diet to improve hoof health what are your thoughts on that I wouldn't. Uh, I it's, you caught me tongue tied. I have no, <laughs> I've never heard that. I have never heard. And she that. said that she had heard mixed things about it in the olden days. Gelatin came from cow hooves, so right? That's kind yeah. of gross. But no, I. I mean, I think that whilst usually with any of these old tales, there is some. Scaric of truth that it started from, perhaps. I don't know what that was. Maybe just the fact that you're feeding, and you know, in the old days it was ground up hoof. But right. these days, I know that there are, there's research that supports biotin and iodine and methionine and zinc in certain quantities. And so we don't really need to rely on any of these other kind of weird, weirder, more. These extra things that you're you're probably working harder than you really need to be. Because it's probably expensive and you're trying to justify it and you're not quite sure how it would work or why it would work. But somebody said it does and you're like, I just don't know. When in doubt, just don't do it. Right. (laughs) What would be more ideal for horses that, and in this case, I guess, would be more genetically prone to poor hooves? What would be more ideal for them to kind of help support them, a ration balancer or a hoof supplement or both? It depends. If the horse is 
eating plenty of hay and we know that there's no severe deficiencies in the hay and you've worked with a nutritionist or your veterinarian and the ration balancer is ideal and it's going to balance all of the nutrients the horse needs for exercise or whatever physiological activity the horse is doing and they don't have poor quality hooves, that might be all they need. If you have good hay, they're eating a ration balancer. And if if an expert evaluates the diet and says they're really not deficient in anything, but they still have poor quality hooves, we know biotin at at least 20 milligrams a day, methionine at at least 2,500 milligrams a day, zinc between 175 to 250 milligrams a day will all improve poor quality hooves. So it's not either or or both. It's let's talk about the individual horse. So do you think all horses could possibly benefit from some sort of a hoof supplement or would it really only be worth your money to do it if you have a horse that might have poor hooves or genetically prone to have poor hooves? The latter. I mean, if you have a horse that has poor hoof quality, genetically we know probably doesn't have great hooves. and you know you've evaluated the whole diet, they're not lacking anything, they're getting plenty of hay, then that horse could maybe benefit from a decent hoof supplement. I would not feed every horse a hoof supplement just for the fun of it. You're just wasting your money. Okay. That's that's good to know. And I think uh, very important for our listeners to, to know. So when we're looking for a hoof supplement, you mentioned a few nutrients earlier on, but I want you to speak to this a little bit. What nutrients can we look for in supplement products that directly influence hoof integrity and are supported by peer-reviewed research? I mean, I can make a case for calcium and, and zinc and copper and manganese. There are lots of different nutrients that you can make a case for. But as far as nutrients that we know in addition to their maintenance requirement, if we add more then we know that it can benefit hoof quality. We know biotin. That's definitely research on biotin. Everybody leans on biotin, but biotin is not the be-all and end-all by itself. Iodine, methionine, zinc, these are probably the top four that you want to look for in a hoof supplement. You may actually not see iodine per se because there is plenty in the diet, but definitely biotin, methionine, zinc. And it's not just about them being written on the label. It's about how much. We know that biotin at at least 20 milligrams a day, methionine at at least 2,500 milligrams a day, zinc at between 175 and 250 milligrams per day. These are the quantities that we know from research that we need to positively affect hoof quality. Okay. And are those quantities standardized no matter the nutrient requirements of your horse in general? That's based on a thousand pound horse. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And then based off of your experience working with clients, do you feel it's more common that people, and this is probably in unintentionally, but do you think it's more common that people over supplement or un- under supplement their horse? Oh, I think that people do both. People under supplement by undervaluing the hay 
and the concentrate that they buy and maybe not feeding enough. So if you buy a bag of grain or concentrate, let's call it concentrate, and it says you should feed your horse six pounds a day of that particular product, you're like, well, I couldn't feed six pounds a day. It'll make him crazy or he'll get too fat. I'm only going to feed him a pound a day. Well, number one, it's not the feed's fault, but that is not the right feed for your horse. And so if you were doing that, then you're under-supplementing your horse. If you're not feeding enough hay, you're under-supplementing your horse. But we also over-supplement because we buy over-the-counter supplements without really understanding, well, do I need it? Why do I need it? And is it doing anything? And, you know, we could have a whole nother conversation on supplements. And I don't want to, I don't want to throw supplements or supplement companies under the bus. I do work with the supplement company as well. But I think that there's a time and a place for everything. Right. Right. And having a good handle on your horse's diet. And, you know, over the last few years, the common question I get is, how do I feed my horse on a budget? You feed your horse on a budget by, not wasting money, which is knowing exactly what you're getting out of your hay, what am I getting out of my grain, and what am I getting out of any supplement that I'm feeding. I'm not just feeding the supplement because my trainer said to, uh, right. because I saw a gold medal winner, my friend at the barn, or I read it in a in a in a yeah. in a group that I love. They're all feeding this. Other than a hoof supplement, which, like I said, is going to take six months to a year to really see the benefits, other supplements, 30 days, are you noticing anything? Like, really, honestly, take a good hard look at it. Are you noticing anything? No. And if if you're not noticing because you have no idea what you should be noticing, then no, you don't need to be feeding that. If you're not noticing because it's not doing anything, then really reevaluate what's happening here. And there's a lot of professionals that you can work with. I say we want to build a team, right? And we at Stanley Hay are part of the team. We're the forage part of the team. But then there are people that you can work with. You know, you've got your veterinarian, your farrier, your your equine dentist, and bring them all into the conversation and and use them all for their expertise. Have a nutritionist as part of your team, and they can help you answer the questions. Because otherwise, you you can easily just end up pouring money down the drain on things right. that you have no and idea. And as much as horses money. cost when it comes oh. to, I mean, with all livestock, feed is like the largest component. But I mean, there's so many other aspects. The that biggest come into pitfall play we run into with horses, and every nutritionist and everyone will tell you this is when I create a diet for a pig or a sheep or a, or a cow, then we can measure that the success of that diet or that supplement. Right. It either, yeah. there is a measurable trait. But then horses, this it's very hard to kind of pare down that measurable trait to the specific nutrient or, or weird thing, herb that you added. You know, you want your horse to, to jump higher. Well, is it your riding ability? Is it the genetics of the horse? Is it what you're feeding the horse? Is it training? I mean, there's so many other factors and variables that go into the outcome that you desire in your horse. So it's very hard for us to measure these things. That's why I say have a team of professionals that you trust, find a team you trust and work with them. That is going to help you. Excellent. I'm glad we had a chance to finally talk about horse health and how nutrition yes. kind of plays a role. Like you said, it 
it it kind of there's a lot of other topics that we've been able to hit on that have been important and just thinking about how much horses depend on obviously their hooves to do their daily lives and help us you know it's so important so what would you say are just a few key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with from this episode and i would say don't look at individual parts of the horse and try to fix individual parts we need to look at the horse more holistically as a whole is he getting enough hay? Is he getting enough water? Is his management right? Is he getting all of the vitamins and minerals that he needs, he or she, for for whatever activity you want them to do? Brood bear, riding horse, pleasure horse, therapy horse, whatever it is. And from there, if there are still areas that need more help, then we can investigate those further. But If your horse has poor hooves and you just focus on that and you have not looked at the holistic picture of the horse, chances are you're missing something much bigger. Right. Stick to the basics. Go with your gut. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Cubitt. And for our listeners, if you would like to recommend a topic for us to discuss in a future episode, or if you have any comments that you want to share, please reach out and email us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. And we will talk to you next time, Dr. Cubitt. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.